Morning Church, it's uh, good to be with you today. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Murray. I'm a member of the Virgin Church. I go to the PM service in the city. It's an honour and a privilege to be able to come around the world with you today. Uh, today I've been asked to share, uh, as a number of people have over the next few moments in the series that we're in, to share about our seasons of hope and actually share a testimony of hope in the middle of a crisis. The scripture I've been given to you today, to read to you today, is this. It's uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but we live in a world that is desperate for hope, desperate for peace, desperate for for joy. The question I want to ask you today, in a world full of crisis, in the middle of a pandemic, how can we have hope, joy and peace? Well, today I want to share my story with you of a small season of my life that I actually had to discover that hope, joy and peace in the middle of a crisis. Now, today may be a little bit sad for some, but I want to assure you that through this whole process that I went through, I still have that joy, that peace in my life. You see, when I was 15, I met this young lady by the name of Adele. She was a youth leader in our youth group. She had blonde hair. She was a few years older than me. She was an amazing girl, but she was a bit crazy. She was super creative, super funny, and very passionate and compassionate for people. She had this laugh and a snort that when she snorted so much, she stopped breathing and sometimes fell to the floor and she couldn't help herself. She was pretty cool. She rode a motorbike. She was also a cheerleader for Little Warrior Hawks. And uh, she didn't know, but I used to go to the basketball games, not to watch the games, but just to get a glimpse of her as a cheerleader. And I'd try and follow her everywhere. Some people might call that stalking. I call that being interested. I found out then my best friend's sister was friends with Adele and Adele would quite regularly go over to the house. So I finally figured out a way how I could bump into Adele without being awkward or a bit strange. So I just hung around my friend's house with the hope that Adele might be there one day. She was funny, but she was also sometimes forgetful. I remember this story that will make you laugh. And uh, she was so forgetful, she'd go to bed late, forget to set her alarm all the time. One night she got home so late, she just took her jeans off and put her pajamas on and dumped the jeans on the floor. The next day she forgot, but she got a phone call from the mechanic saying, where are you? Your car is booked in for servicing. So she quickly jumped out of bed and put the jeans on from the night before and ran to the mechanics with the car. Only when she got to the mechanics, the mechanic just looked at her, scratching his head and said, excuse me, miss, you realize you have a pair of underpants hanging out the bottom of your jeans. You see, she was so forgetful. She just chucked those jeans on and those underpants were still hanging out from the day before. That's the type of girl she was. She was funny, she was loud, she was forgetful, but yet she was full of joy. She was full of passion. Someone that you wanted to be around. She was amazing and I fell in love with her. As time went on, we got to know each other and I finally asked her to marry me. And I can't believe she said yes, and she did. We had two beautiful children together. Now they are 20 and 17, Jacob and Olivia, who are great, amazing kids. But long story short, eight years ago, life was sweet. I was married with Adele. Both my kids were in school. 
Adele was teaching, doing what she always wanted to do. I was running my own business and my kids were happy. My life was full of hope. My life was full of purpose with a woman that I chose to spend my life with and build a family and grow old together with. But all that changed. You see, I was on a lunch break. I was working in Monica. Adele had the day off and we were meant to meet for lunch and I was sitting there waiting and she never showed up. I get this phone call about half an hour later after I was starting to get a little bit frustrated. And she said, Murray, I've just been to the doctor. She's rushed me to hospital. Can you meet me there? I jumped in the car and went straight to hospital. And after a number of tests, the doctor came out and said to us, I'm sorry, but Adele has been diagnosed with ovarian cancer. I was just hit for six. I couldn't believe what I just heard. I heard stories like this that would always happen to other people, but never you, never someone in your own family. But yet, right there and then, the doctor says she has ovarian cancer. We were told that her life expectancy would be 12 months. But three and a half years later, after Adele had five major surgeries, including a full hysterectomy, she no longer had a functioning bowel. In fact, she had a stoma back. She had 18 rounds of chemotherapy and eight rounds of radiation. Radiation. Due to the cancer, Adele was in 24-hour pain. It got into her nervous system and just, just everything was painful for her. But the sad news was she was allergic to most of the heavy painkillers and she couldn't handle it. So all she had was Panadol and Nurofen for such a long time. Along with this, there were the financial challenges that come with fighting cancer. Adele had to resign from her job and I struggled to maintain my business. I had to run a household and be a father, a mother and a carer for my beautiful wife, Adele. After three and a half years of fighting this disease, sadly, at the end of 2016, Adele lost her life to cancer. You might say to me today, Murray, what a tragic story, and I would agree with you. You might say, what has this got to do with hope? What has it got to do with joy? What has it got to do with peace? Well, the verse says, as I've read it already, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm here to tell you today, if it wasn't for my hope in God, I wouldn't be standing here, in fact, sitting here today. But if it wasn't for my hope in God through that hard season, I don't know where I would be. Many people, particularly men, if they lose a loved one, they turn to a number of different things, including suicide or alcohol, and never tend to recover. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. All I am saying is, through this season, has helped me to put my hope in God to the point where I still have joy and peace in my life. There are many things that helped me through this season. Too many to list in such a short time, but I want to focus on one point and one point only, and this is not the only thing that helped me get where I was, but it's one of them. It's found in Psalm 22, verse 3. God inhabits the praises of his people. God inhabits the praises of his people. Praise is one of the keys that helped me to keep my hope in Christ. You see, one of the things that took place after all of the diagnosis and the tests and everything that went away, 
I remember getting a phone call from the doctor and he talked to me in detail. And I took that phone call outside on my balcony as Adele is on the couch looking through the window. She knew what the conversation was about, but I'm out there by myself talking to the doctor. And he basically shared the news with me. He said, Murray, you've basically got about 12 months to live. I didn't know what to do. I knew Adele was looking as I hung up the phone and I couldn't turn around to face her, look her in the eye and tell her the truth of what the doctor had just said to me. For about a week, we just processed it and were heartbroken. And, and the hope that I placed in my family, in my future, all of a sudden just seemed to be ripped out from under me. And I couldn't believe it was happening. And for nearly one whole week, I'll tell you the truth, I didn't think about God once. He did not even cross my mind. But for those of you that know me, know that I love the outdoors. Uh, you'll always find me around water, walking around the lakes, hiking in the hills, going for a mountain bike ride. I just absolutely love it. About a week after he found and discovered this news, I just got out and I had to get around the lake. I'm walking around the lake and I have my phone with my headphones. And for some reason, out of habit, I just put my headphones in and pressed play. And worship music started to play, praise and worship. And I'm walking around the lake thinking and processing everything that's going on. Then all of a sudden, as I began to take on board the worship and the praise, how it starts to magnify God, I found myself taking my eyes off the situation and putting it on God. And before I knew it, within 20 minutes, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs as people are running and walking around past me on the lake and lifting the name of Jesus up because praise just changed the atmosphere of the situation that I was in. I just remember thinking God had never let me down before. He's not going to let me down now. And I prayed this prayer to him that day. God, whatever the outcome is, good or bad, I choose to put my trust in you. You see, I could have never got to that place if I didn't put those headphones in my ears and allow that praise that was so regularly coming out of my lips and my mouth and my heart to start to flow again. You see, praise helps you take your focus off the situation that you're in and put it onto the creator of the universe. Nothing takes him by surprise. No crisis takes God by surprise. But my Bible says he is worthy of our praise in the good seasons and the bad seasons. And that day I chose to praise him. So praise. Oh, the other thing I forgot to mention was as I prayed that prayer, this incredible peace came upon me. And I thought, whatever the outcome, it's okay. God is in control. So praise brings peace. I remember another time. Praise changes the atmosphere. We decided as a family, regardless of what news comes our way, we're going to tackle this head on by creating an atmosphere of faith and hope in our household. How do we do that? First of all, if ever we had a phone call from the doctor, we'd always go outside and take it. Because I didn't want the negativity and the facts, and even though the facts are good sometimes, I didn't want those facts to creep into the place where we dwell, the place where we live. We stuck to that verse, God inhabits the praises of his people. So I'd take the phone calls outside. We constantly had worship music going, constantly praising God in our household. We decided 
Even though the diagnosis was not good, we still decided to live. So we planned holidays. We went to Disneyland. In fact, the week before Adele died, she was planning a trip for us as a family to go to the National Zoo and Aquarium and spend the night. That is the atmosphere that we lived in. All that I said for this, Adele had a major operation and I dropped the kids at school and I went to visit her at the hospital. And as I walked into her room, Adele was sound asleep in a bed, but there was a nurse sitting at a bedside table. She was reading a magazine. She just looked at me and smiled and she called me out to the hallway. I, I said, what are you doing here? She says, Murray, I'm on my break. I said, okay, so why are you in Adele's room? She says, Murray, I don't know how to explain this to you, but there's just something about the atmosphere when Adele is here. The atmosphere in this room, I have never felt so much peace and so much joy. And if it's okay with you, on my breaks, would you mind if I come and sit here in the room with Adele? Because I just love it. And I was able to share the gospel with this lady, a nurse that didn't know Christ. And I said, you know, it's, uh, you're welcome to do that. But I want to tell you this atmosphere around Adele is not anything to do with her. In fact, it's got everything to do with God. We're Christians and we believe in God. And that joy that you feel is the joy that he brings. All comes down to praise. Praise brings peace. Praise brings joy. And finally, for me, because this is my testimony, it might be different for you. Praise helps me trust in him. One of the hardest moments of my life was having the front row at a funeral. The church was chock-a-lock full of people. In fact, it, uh, as far as I know, the most people had ever been in this building before because Adele was such a joy and people just loved and wanted to be around her. There were people standing in the background, but here I am in the front row to the funeral of, of my wife, the one that I had my hope and life to spend with. It wasn't easy. But what we decided to do that day is not mourn, but to celebrate the life of a woman that had so much joy, so much peace and so much hope in God that brought so much joy to people's lives. So we made it a rule that no one is allowed to wear black. You must wear bright colours. We have balloons all through the foyer and we celebrate it. We sung songs about exalting God. But I never forget when it was my turn to get up and speak. I stood there. All the eyes were on me. My two kids were in the front row staring at me. And people were looking at me thinking, is he going to crumble? Is he going to be able to say something? Some people felt sorry for me. I tell you, that day I felt isolated. Even though I was surrounded by a room of family and friends that loved me dearly, that day as I stood there in front of everybody to talk about Adele, I was isolated. You could be isolated today. You might be home because of this pandemic. You're not used to it. I've got to tell you, that day I felt so isolated. And I shared stories about who Adele was and the amazing person she is. But when all was said and done, I said, guys, I need you to do something because I'm only good at one thing, and that is praying to God. And I said, would you stand with me? And that day I stood up at this, in front of everyone, 600 people with eyes all on me, and I closed my eyes 
And I began to thank the Father. In the middle of tragedy, in the middle of crisis, I began to take my eyes off the situation, which should have been sad, horrible and depressing. And I began to praise him. I began to thank him for the years that I had with this incredible woman. I began to thank him for the children that came out of this this marriage. I began to thank him because he is good and his love endures forever. And he never left me. He never forsake me. He walked this journey with me, holding my hand. It all started with praise because he deserves our praise. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, for me, in my testimony, in my season, praise helped bring peace. Praise brought an atmosphere of joy to my life. And praise helped me trust God for who he is. You may be watching today. You might be going through a crisis yourself. In fact, the world's going through a pandemic at the moment. At least somebody knows somebody that's been affected, whether someone's lost their life or whether someone's lost their job. In fact, I've lost my job this week and got no money coming in. You might be struggling, being isolated alone. Whatever it is, I want to tell you that there is a hope, there is a peace, there is a joy as we put our trust in God. I want to close with this story and then pray for you. Do you know that Jesus doesn't respond to a crisis as much as he responds to faith or hope? There's a story in the Bible by the man by the name of Lazarus. Now, the Bible describes Lazarus as someone close to Jesus. In fact, it describes Lazarus like Jesus loved him like a brother. Jesus was out of town, but word spread and people were sent to Jesus to say, quick, come, Lazarus is dying, he's sick. Come and lay hands on him and heal him. There was a crisis taking place. And they said, Jesus, come right now. Now, if that was my brother, I would have dropped everything I was doing and I'd run just to be there. Do you know what Jesus does? He stays where he is for two days. Are you crazy? Sometimes reading the Bible totally frustrates me when I, I hear and see things like this. But Jesus doesn't drop everything. In fact, he stays where he is for two days. He's not necessarily moved by a crisis of what's taking place. But there's another story in the Bible. It talks about how Jesus is walking through the crowds and people are touching and pushing up against him. He could have turned anywhere and there would have been a crisis that day. Something in somebody's life where people needed hope, people needed healing, people needed food. Something would have been going on everywhere he would have turned. But he wasn't moved by that that day. You know what moved him? It was this woman that had been bleeding for 12 years. Now, the Bible talks about the culture of the time. If a woman is bleeding, she needs to isolate. There's that word again that we're all familiar with. She can't be in the regular community. She has to isolate. And this poor woman was isolated and she spent all the money she had trying to get well. So all the doctors she could trying to recover, but nothing. Can you imagine the loneliness this woman would have faced? 
Can you imagine the circumstances, this woman, how, how downcast she would have been, isolated and always looked down upon by the rest of the community? But what moved Jesus that day was this woman said to herself, if only I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. So this woman who's frail, weak from bleeding for 12 years, makes her way through the crowd somewhere where she should not even be and has to push her way through to get to Jesus because he's surrounded, pushing against large men. This frail, weak woman, she reaches out and touches the hem of his garment and instantly is healed. And Jesus stops what he's doing and turns around and says, Who touched me? It moved him. Not because there was a crisis, because she had faith and hope in him. I want to say to you today, whatever you're going through in life, whether you're in a season which is a blessing, where nothing is going wrong, or you're in a season right now where there's challenging and there's, there's crisis happening all around you, it should always be the same. Always bring glory to him. Bring praise to the Father. Don't sit there and say, God, poor me, look at everything that is happening to me. Where are you in all this? I know my heart and my desire is to be not like that, but like the woman. He says, if only I can get in his presence. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray God's blessing upon you. But I want to put a challenge or a question out to you as we close and you and the link closes and you're either left alone by yourself or you've got a Zoom call with other people or you're with your family. I want you to ask yourself this question. What can I be thankful for to God in this crisis? What can I praise him for right now? And it might be as simple as, thank you, Lord, for the air that I breathe. I tell you, God will take that. And as he takes it, you watch what could happen to you all of a sudden, this spirit of joy will begin to flow and you start to think for more and more and more. And before you know it, the atmosphere in your life has changed. Let me pray. Father, I just want to thank you for this incredible church, people that have tuned in online. I recognize as I've heard stories this week that some people, Lord, have lost their job, including myself. Some people know people that are sick or in the midst of a crisis. I've heard that weddings, some weddings have been cancelled. I've heard that people that want to visit their loved ones in hospital can't because of this pandemic. Whatever the reason is, Lord God, the most important thing in this very moment right now is that we bring praise to you. So, Father, I just lift you up. You are worthy of our praise. I thank you that nothing takes you by surprise and you hold us in your hand. You are our fortress. You are our strength, our ever-present help in time of need. I want to thank you for the peace and the joy and the comfort that you brought in my life in this season. You taught me so much. Lord, I pray for our church and those people watching here today that they would discover your peace, they would discover your joy, that they would put their trust in you and they would be filled with hope in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for allowing me into your life. I pray your blessing, God's blessing upon you today. In Jesus' name, amen.